0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Outside Voice Studios podcast. I'm your host, Bo Spencer. Back again is Gubby Beck. How you doing today?
1: Good, how are you doing?
0: I'm good, I'm good. So, you've just finished a uh, huge project for Coachella, um, checking in here, so we want to hear all about it. Let's start at the beginning, though. How did, how did that project come together? How did you get this opportunity?
1: Um, so I actually met one of the, well, one of the bosses that used to work there through a friend and I went over to the shop and I was like, this is an amazing steel shop. Like, what are you guys doing? And I see this old military plane sitting in the shop, um, that they were working on building stairs inside and they were saying it's a huge installation for a festival. So I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Can I get involved? And he was like, yeah, come in on Monday. So that's how I started working for him.
0: So you've actually been welding for a couple of years. You went to school for it in New York?
1: Uh, yeah, I actually went to school for sculpture and printmaking, and that's where I learned how to weld. I don't actually have my certificate, but I know how to weld. All right,
0: very nice. Um, so how long have you been working on this project? Coachella was last weekend and the weekend before you guys just deinstalled on Monday. How long did the project take from start to end?
1: Uh, They started the project at the end of November, and then I joined on January 2nd, so it was a long four months for me, basically.
0: So is this the largest project that you've ever worked on?
1: Uh, Yeah, this is the largest thing I've ever worked on, and it wasn't my own artwork, but it was still really interesting to see how it all came together. Uh, The artist that I work for uh, has been in contact with Coachella. He's done some work with them before, and uh, they knew he was getting this airplane, and they wanted it to be at Coachella so they kept coming to the shop and checking in how it was getting built and such to eventually bring the fire marshal and make sure it was safe um, but the shop that I work at is his west coast studio so that was just it since it was in the west coast we built it here and brought it there
0: so this is like a bi-coastal artist and then he's got you know events and studios and on both sides of the country
1: Yes. Yeah. He's mainly out of Brooklyn, but he also has a shop out here so he can do things on both coasts. Yeah.
0: Very nice. That's the dream right there. That's pretty awesome. Uh, so, th- this is a plane. This is a 50-foot plane that you guys, you know, you put stairs on the inside, you bent the fuselage of it, and then on top, it looks like there's this crazy UFO thing going on, and then to see the pictures from Coachella, it all lit up, and then you've got disco balls hanging out the side. I mean, tell us a little bit, for the listeners, tell everyone that didn't get to go to Coachella a little bit about like the, the details of this.
1: Uh, So, yeah, we took the it was a 1941 uh, Lodestar military plane that we cut into a few pieces and then we connected it all together by a roll cage on the inside. It basically looks like a roll cage made out of steel pipes um, and it connected it all. And then we riveted aluminum. So it was really one piece Um, and it shot up. Yeah, it's 46 feet and eight inches. (laughs) And at the very top, we put a, a saucer that it almost was like a bloom, like the airplane bloomed out into a flower and it had leaves coming off of it or petals. Um, And then we also put so many little details on it. This artist loves to create these disco balls um, that have like different patterns. He doesn't want it to be a perfect disco ball. Uh, And then he has these lights that he makes out of glass uh, that he calls dongs because they are in the shape of dongs. (laughs) Um, And he has them hanging throughout the the top of the saucer. And then on the inside, we had a few disco balls as well that were turning um, and moving with lights shining on them. So lights were beaming off of them, which was really cool.
0: So that's like the ultimate festival art piece, centerpiece installation. I mean, with everything that you just mentioned, I mean, that's, uh, that checks everything off the list. So uh, what was it like actually moving something like that? You know, working on it inside and then taking it outside to work on it and then actually having it taken down to Coachella. What is, what's the installation process like for something like that?
1: Uh, well, when we were making it, we had it laying down on its side in the shop. And we worked on it there. So we had the stairs on the inside were turned. So we had to walk on them on its side, which was kind of interesting the whole time having to balance in the plane. I fell a few times um, while we were pipe fitting the whole thing. Um, And then we brought it outside so we could lift it up and see it at its correct angle. Um, And we were working on the saucer slash dome on the inside of it. Of the shop while we were doing that um, but the saucer ended up being too big and we had to, to like to get it out of the shop so we had to cut it in half to get it out of the shop and then put it how back. did
0: you cut that in half <laughs> it's not like you got a lightsaber that you can just like blow through that thing
1: well we had to reinforce it first before cutting it in half so we put little um, pieces of steel along it and then bolted it together so each side was still connected so when we cut it in half it was still connected Um, And then we had to cut through it with a grinder and a sawzill, and (laughs) it was very tricky. I did not do that personally. I had some of the guys at the shop do that one.
0: So after it's cut in half, then you guys took it, uh, they took it down to Coachella on trucks?
1: Uh, After we had it in half, we brought it outside and put it together so then we could put it on top of the airplane to see how it would sit because we weren't sure how it was going to stand on its own with the saucer on there. Um, But thankfully, our giant legs that we made, um, held it all up.
0: You guys, I mean, there's so many pieces to this. How many, you know, how many sections do you really have? You've got the legs, you've got the plane, you've got the, the top, the saucer, the flower bloom area. And then you've also got the disco balls and all that. I mean, how many, it's just mind blowing to think about how much work all that took. How many different sections is there?
1: I don't know the number. I mean, I can count. It. You basically named all of them. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's it's
0: insane though I, to see the pictures and to see it pop. You know, down at Coachella to see it actually all built. Because I've seen uh, you've been shooting me little little videos here and there of stuff that's going on. Um, but to see it all come together as an outsider is really cool. And especially, I know very little, if anything, about welding and metal work. So to see to see a different process and the progress and day by day, how long certain things take. I mean, you guys are, you use machines to bend the pipe, you use, you know, it takes hard, I'm, th- you're working with steel. It's not like you can pull out a projector and trace an image and do stuff like that. I mean, this is this is as 3D and as hardcore as it gets. Um, what Was there any challenges putting this together? Or, or go ahead and list a few of them since it seems like there might be. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, we went through some obstacles. Uh, weight was a big issue. Uh, all the steel that we used was Jeez, so thick. That, huh? And the so the saucer in itself had to be under 5,000 pounds. And I remember without any of the windows that we wanted to put on it and any extra pipes, it ended up being like 4,400 something. And we were really close. So we weren't able to put on all those windows that we wanted to do um we had airplane windows we had windows from a yacht and then we also had um what was it we had a convertible oh, what's corvette sorry that was oh, <laughs> like nice, what's the car nice, yeah. <laughs> so we had corvette windows as well which i personally welded and bent all of those frames for those windows <laughs> and welded them all on and we ended up not using them unfortunately um but that was one of the struggles through building this thing there was a lot of trial and error things that we uh, tried to do that we weren't able to Um, originally we wanted to have people go into the plane um, during the festival and we were going to have people at each uh, stop and go point to like only have a certain amount of people up there Um, But we weren't able to because the fire marshal said we weren't allowed to have people in there.
0: Yeah, I would assume there's some pretty heavy regulations on what you guys were building. I mean, it's a freestanding plane, that's 50 feet tall. I would, and the uh, the staircase on the inside is pretty steep too. So, but you guys said that you're doing some. There's still more work to be done to it, correct?
1: Yeah, so we are going to have... Well, right now it's being stored at the Coachella Fields for a month while they have another festival going on called Stagecoach. And then we're going to have the airplane back in the shop to then work on it some more, make it a little safer, hopefully be able to let uh, let people go inside of it for Burning Man, um, which is in August, so we have some time to work on it. But yeah, some of the stairs, the very top are very, very steep, Um, and in general, just the stairs are, it's sketchy. You don't want people going up there if they're drinking and such. It's, you know, it's dangerous. Yeah.
0: So you touched on the windows a little bit. You guys silvered the windows actually. Tell us a little bit about that process.
1: So that I just learned how to do. Um, it's, you feel like a mad scientist when you're doing it, but it's, you're making like an actual mirror. So you have to mix all these chemicals together do it at the right time. Put water as well with it. And um, you do it on glass or any surface that's going to adhere to it. Um, and we silvered all of the windows. See, it's almost like a two-way win- or a one-way window. So you can see in but not out or vice versa. <laughs> yeah. But it was a fun process to learn. But I still I don't fully know. I'd have to like ask the others again to do it on my own.
0: So, what's it like, I mean, how many people were working on this project with you, and what's it like working with a team that big?
1: Um, It started with just, like, five of us, um, and then we slowly added more people because we needed more hands, especially, like, we needed some people to do the disco balls, uh, like, off to the side while other people are doing the leaves, and other people are in the plane welding, Um, and there was just tons of people getting added on, so in total, I mean, sometimes we had 15 people there. It was really fun to have a lot of people because you could learn from each other and everyone had different skills and um, different ideas. So it was fun to definitely be a part of something that big.
0: What do you think the biggest lesson you learned from this project as far as, you know, is it a new technique that you can take into your own work or is it, you know, learning to work with people on projects this big? Because I imagine that a majority of your sculptures you do by yourself There's not really anybody hovering over you and you definitely don't have to have a fire marshal's approval to do to do your sculptures. Uh, So, yeah, what's the what's the biggest thing that you learned from this project?
1: Um, Well, learning how to pipe fit was a big deal because I never did that before. And then I ended up being one of the main pipe fitters on this job.
0: What is that for the listeners at home?
1: Um, It's basically connecting pipes together. So there's no holes like they need to smoothly be fitting to each other. And then you so you can weld it and there's not a big gap. Okay. And basically our whole inside of the plane was like I said before, like a roll cage. Um and then the whole top saucer was made out of the pipe too that we bent and um it was like viney looking around the edges, which was really cool. Um and even just learning how to bend the pipe with the bender was fun. Um there's so many different ways and trial and errors that you have to do to get it in the right angle, especially cause it was a little off. So it was like, if you wanted 90 degrees, you have to put it at one Oh five degrees. <laughs> um, so that was also another trial and error.
0: So what makes a good weld and what makes just like a trash weld, you know, uh, tell the people a little bit about what a good weld actually means.
1: Uff, well, I'm still learning myself. I mean, I've been welding for years, but I still, even on this job, um, one of the welders was teaching me different techniques to like fill in gaps, um, and you can hear the different sounds, and that's how you can kind of know to like oh if you have the wrong setting on or because um, you have to have the set. There's two settings: one is for the voltage, and one is for the the speed. Um, I I mig weld, so it's a wire speed, um, and it's. I mean, I I like doing it by the sound, but then also you can see if it's not adhering to each other. Um, the, the metals. And also, I mean, there's other metals you can't weld, so you have to know what you're you're welding.
0: So when you say the sound of it, is it the sound of the machine or is it the sound of the weld itself? Is it is there like a sound that the steel makes while it's melting or the welding works? I mean, what do you mean by the sound of it?
1: Uh yeah, I guess it would be the the actual weld. Because if the machine is not like it, you'll know if the machine's liking it or not because the way it it comes out, like if it's a really thin metal trying to adhere to a thicker metal, uh, you have to set it right and point it to the first one or the, you know, the thicker one to adhere to the thinner one. Otherwise, it's going to just melt away and then you're going to have to fill some gaps. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So... Uh, the Coachella install actually having it down there what was that like uh what was it like hearing the sound checks of the musicians and all that going on and uh and then what was your what was your favorite performance from the entire uh festival
1: uh so the install was actually really smooth um we had a good amount of people there with us it was really hot i have to say way hotter than where um i live in Joshua tree but um the the plane went up fine we had a little trouble with the grass because they were very uptight about keeping their grass <laughs> <laughs> all nice and, you know, what Palm it, Springs. Yeah, Palm so, Springs. Yeah. Uh, but then, I mean, yeah, the plane went up fine. The saucer connected perfectly in the legs. Um, we had to fix before the petals and leaves went up. We had to fix some... Um, some parts of it because we wanted to make sure that they were going to be safe because they were going to be 50 feet up in the air. We don't want anything to drop and hit somebody Um, as well as like the disco balls. They're made out of glass all the little pieces, so if it hits, because it's super windy there, so the balls are already moving on their own, and if they hit a side or something and a piece of glass falls, that's...
0: And these disco balls are, like, two, three feet, four-foot disco balls. I mean, they're good size. How did you guys hang them up there? I mean, were they heavy? Did you need, like, a little mini crane to get them up there? What What did it take to get that done?
1: No, I mean, I'm I'm small, and I could lift one of the bigger ones, but... Um, it's still, yeah. We had one person holding it, one person tying it off with the wire. Um, we had to. Then one of my coworkers ended up going back and putting more wires so it wouldn't bang into our crystal doorway. Um, so it was just, yeah. We definitely had to be careful of those because they are sharp. And even wrapping them, like for the deinstall, we had to wrap them in bubble wrap and then packing blanket and stuff. So it was, yeah. It was definitely a lot.
0: What's it like after you guys put in all that work, you know, to see everything come together? Did you feel that sense of satisfaction and that that instant gratification from that?
1: It was like, I honestly, all right, it was like an 85% gratification because for some reason I still, because I know in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, we're going to have to work on this again. (laughs) It's like not a full satisfaction. Like I know it's coming back to the shop. Um, but it did feel really great seeing it up there all lit up and seeing people taking photos with it and hanging like beneath it. Like when there was a shade during the day from it, people were hanging underneath it. Um, apparently like some of the bands playing, um, was vibrating the plane. So people were like leaning up against the legs, which was really interesting to watch. Um, but I, yeah, I loved it at night. It was really nice when it lit up.
0: That's cool. So what was your favorite performance?
1: I loved seeing Alt-J. That was really the only person or band that I wanted to see. And it it blew my mind. I was like, this is amazing. Like, how have I not seen them in concert before? Um, And, I mean, compared to even, like, Beyonce and Eminem, like, yeah, they were great too, but Alt-J killed it. I loved it. I mean, I listened to them all the time. So
0: Yeah, you came home raving about it and (laughs) saying, oh, we got to go see a show, we got to go see a show. So I guess Alt-J, we're coming to see you guys soon. Um, That's awesome. So now what are your plans what do you got going on I mean after a huge project like that is there any downtime for you or are you back in the studio with new plans and new ideas
1: a little bit of both Um, (laughs) I definitely took some time to rest because my body was exhausted from literally working four months straight and also being at Coachella the dust and the pollen my allergies were like I've never sneezed that many times before. <laughs> like I've never had that bad allergies before. Uh, and I'm still recovering from it. I don't know if you can hear that I'm nasally, but <laughs> I'm still recovering. And then I do, though, have so many ideas that I want to play with in the steel shop for my own work. Um, but we do also have other stuff that the bo- my boss wants to uh, have us work on. He has a few other ideas for us. So I'll be back and forth between his and my work.
0: Very nice. So you've got an art show coming up at Art Queen next May um, or this May. What is what's the date for that? And then what's the time so that people can come by and check you out?
1: It's May 12th, uh, 6 to 8 p.m. and it's at Art Queen in Joshua Tree.
0: It's just like a few stores down, a few shops down from the Joshua Tree Saloon, which I'm sure everybody's familiar with. But, uh, yeah, tell them about that little spot. It's pre- It's a sweet little area. I mean, the, uh, the guy that owns or that you guys did the sculpture for, he actually owns this area also, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, he owns, like, a few of the buildings in that area. Um, and it's a cute little, like, have little shops and um, bookstore, and they have a bunch of stages in the back where they do readings and they put on performances. Um, and they also have uh, an in-house artist uh, that makes some really interesting um clothing and little signs and googly eye art which is really cool um she she also does the crochet crochet museum it's like the world famous crochet museum um so if you're there check it out uh but then also yeah the east gallery in there is where i'll be uh showing and it's going to be up for all of may and possibly some of the beginning of june
0: awesome and i'm sure that any uh any any pieces that we can have for the OVS shows, we'll grab as many of those as we can. Uh, we plan to be hosting a couple OVS art shows um, in the future, very near future. Joined up with the 1908 Loft and the Seton Loft. Uh, my boy Armin over there. We're going to be putting some things together. Uh, quick shout out to Artist Brand Canvas. Thank you guys for all of the canvas, all the love and support. They are handmade canvases uh, made right in Los Angeles. The quality is way better than anything you're going to get from a Michaels or a Hobby Lobby. So go local. You know, I also support something that's made in America and made in Southern California um also go and subscribe to the youtube channel uh bo spencer uh check it out we've got three video two videos and a trailer on there and another video coming this next week hopefully um just giving you guys a different kind of a view into my life and the craziness and all the paint that i uh use up so That's, that's what I've been doing. We're also gonna get a, uh, we're gonna work on some kind of a welding video, uh, for Gubbs without you guys going blind. We're gonna have everything set up. But stay tuned. OVS, we are taking over this year. Um, we're taking our time though. It's quality over quantity and we are getting everything taken care of beautifully. Uh, new prints on the way from myself and Gubby Beck. Also, if you know any artists that are looking to show and sell some work, Put them in contact with us. Also, if you know any photographers in the Los Angeles area, put them in contact with us. If you are a photographer or if you are an artist, what's up, guys? Holler at us, and uh, we can put you to work, or we can definitely help you showcase and exhibit your work. Uh, We've got a lot going on this year. New t-shirts coming soon. And uh, for now, I think that that's it. Gubs, did you got anything to say?
1: I think we covered it all.
0: All right. Tell the people where they can follow you.
1: Uh, At Gubby Beck. And also, my website is www.gubbybeck.com.
0: All right, guys. There we go. Thanks so much. Take care.